Ian, you're back from holiday. How was it? Had had you, did you have fun in the? Okay, well, basically the same place you've been for a while. Yeah, it was great. That place. Yep. I just sat in front of my window, looked at the flats across the other side of the street. Waved, waved at people. At people. Waved at my neighbors. Ooh, who's who's waving at people in 2021? Come on. <laughs> Some, the same weirdos who clap on Thursdays. Yeah, it's all the wave chat app now. Yep. Or something, wherever the kids are into. Don't get me started on but wave that's... waves. Yep. Is that your podcast about waving? I think wave waves was maybe the podcast about surfing. I still need to come up with some new ideas. You really do. I mean, a podcast about waving really needs to become a video show, really. I mean, otherwise you're just... I'm breaking new ground for radio, Ian. This isn't radio, it's a podcast, but still. I need to stop calling this radio. For the listeners, Ian was waving at his webcam. I was indeed. What an intro this is. You can watch us in our Discord anytime you want. <laughs> Not anytime you want, this is weird. Yeah, I watch you her, my always. camera's turned off most of the time. Wait, you all have is cameras? It? I can see you. Anyway. This is Brainwaves episode 68, bringing you the best in board game and tabletop gaming news. These are the headlines for the week of the 8th of March, 2021. Kickstarter can't see the bamboo for the trees, or vice versa. Rocksteady Games Radlands Reckoning. And the perfect RPG launches. Or does it? All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Hi, this is Ian from the Editing Suite. I mucked up and I called May Day Games, May Fair Games for most of the piece on Bamboo Bash. So there has been some parts re-recorded, which is why there's a change in quality here and there in this piece. So this is probably the most convoluted story we've reported on in some time. A crowdfunding campaign for the game Bamboo Bash went up on Kickstarter on the 23rd of February from Imperial Publishing. This was a dexterity-based game where you knocked bits of bamboo off a tower using a panda claw tool. The campaign was cancelled shortly after commencing due to the response to the Kickstarter not being as good as the publisher wanted. Similarities to a game called Click Clack Lumberjack were noted by many, including the designer of that game, Justin O. Oh. The game was originally called Tok Tok Woodman when designed by Justin and it was published originally by Korea Board Games. The preview videos for Bamboo Bash also made comparisons between the two games, though there are some notable differences between the two games as well, and we'll link to the preview videos that were pushed out on the Kickstarter so you can decide for yourself. It's also notable that Imperial Publishing also compared Bamboo Bash to Talk Talk Women in their original campaign, and also included a quote from Shop and Sit Down from their review of Talk Talk Women. We reached out to the original designer of Click Clack Lumberjack, Justin O, and have also been speaking to Seth Hyatt, owner of Imperial Publishing, about this subject. We have also had contact with a source from Korea Board Games. So we're going to look at a little history here as to the background of, to this story. Click Clack Lumberjack was originally licensed to Mayday Games from Korea Board Games. The game that was Click Clack Lumberjack became Tok Tok Women under this license, and Mayday Games lost the license to publish this in 2019. One of Mayday Games' owners was Seth Hyatt. Seth split from Mayday Games and formed Imperial Publishing in 2018, and under that publisher started the Sleeve King's brand of sleeves. We will link to breakdowns by Seth as to the reasons for this move. Sleeve King's is also where you can find a lot of information on Bamboo Bash, and if you see them posted on social media, you can regard them as basically the same entity as Imperial Publishing. Development on Bamboo Bash started in late 2019 under Imperial Publishing, slash Sleeve Kings, depending on how you look at it, 
Seth became sole owner of Mayday Games in late 2020, returning to the company. And the Kickstarter for Bambi Bash was launched and cancelled on February 23rd, 2021. There's huge backlash to Bambi Bash all over social media as Justin O expressed his concerns with the game being so similar to his own design, Talk Talk Women. Several prominent designers also shared their displeasure with the apparent similarities between the two games. Since the backlash, we know that Seth has reached out to Korea Board Games to try and resolve any potential issues, but this was only after the controversy kicked off. That has been confirmed by our source close to Korea Board Games. Bamboo Bash will be coming back to Kickstarter, and we've been given permission by Seth to share a preview of that campaign with you, which we'll post in the show notes. So there are a couple of things here to say. Technically and legally, there's nothing wrong going on here. There's been a lot of attempts in the past to legally copyright board game mechanics, and they have all failed universally, best of my knowledge anyway. Very, very big companies have tried to copyright mechanics or games and basically failed because it's extremely hard to define these things. That said, the two games do look extremely similar. And one of the posts we'll share with you is Sleeve King's post about Bamboo Bash where they compare the two games side by side. There's a big difference between two dexterity games looking like each other and someone making another deck builder because Dominion was popular. Like Physically, these two games look quite similar. They're, they're both big towers. You hit them with things and bits fall off them. The other thing is that Imperial Publishing couldn't really have made this look more suspect if they had tried. There's a clear line between Mayday Games getting the rights for Click Clack Lumberjack, losing them, Seth leaving the company, forming Imperial Publishing slash Sleeve Kings, developing this game, and then the Kickstarter itself for Bamboo Bash. People saw that Imperial Publishing were behind the Kickstarter, saw that Sleeve Kings were the people defending the Kickstarter and the similarities between the two games, and then did their own research and found the connection with Seth Hyatt between the two, and that made it look incredibly dodgy. There had been clarity at the start as to the relationship between the companies and what was going on. I don't think this would have been a thing if he'd reached out to the designers, career board games during the during the actual campaign, during the the development of the game as well. Then it's possible a lot of this could have been headed off in the past. We don't know what's going to come of this. Obviously, Bambi Bash is coming back to Kickstarter. We'll link to again. We'll link to that in the show notes. And we'll bring you more in the situation as it develops. But Ian, Bamboo Bash is not the only game that has been coming under fire on Kickstarter recently. In fact, we've got Kickstarter-heavy headlines this week. Roxley Games recently had a Kickstarter for an apocalypse-themed game, Radlands. The campaign was suspended after funding due to an unspecified intellectual property dispute. We've reached out to Roxley for comment, and they shared an update they also sent out to backers. They were unable to comment further at this time. Their update is, hello. As you probably read, Kickstarter has seen fit to temporarily suspend the Radlands page post-completion due to a trademark allegation. Radlands is completely original and was wholly incepted and created by Daniel Pichnik and Roxley Game Laboratory. We pride ourselves, above all things, on being passionate artists and game designers. We have always and will continue to operate with the highest levels of integrity in regards to intellectual property. Rest assured, that there is no need to be concerned about your pledge, nor the future of this incredible game. Our team is already working to resolve this situation as quickly as possible, and we will continue to update you regularly. Thank you for your ongoing trust and support, Gavin Brown and Team Roxley. So, just one quick thing to note, the source of the dispute has been clarified to not be 
Jay from 3 Minute Board Games, who had previously posted about an old design of his called Radlands with a Z. We're just clarifying that because it appeared some people were confused over that. So as board games become more popular, are we going to see more legal disputes? People trying to get bites of the cherry after games have become successful? What do we think, chaps? Probably, yeah. I mean, we're seeing much more video games and films Mm. become board game uh, tie-ins. And it's almost inevitable there are going to be ones that may attempt to jump the gun slightly. Uh, And I think it's only a matter of time before we see this happen uh, again. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, we've reported several times on the growth of the industry and it's inevitable that growth like that in an industry will attract people trying to basically sort of ride on the tailcoats of others effectively i mean it'll be interesting to know what what the actual ip dispute is once it shakes out it's probably worthwhile saying we don't know the details of this so we don't know whether it's an ip dispute or yeah i mean that that's what kickstar says yeah they say it's an ip dispute but the actual details of it are only known to roxley and kickstar at the moment and presumably the person who's um put forward the dispute we'll see what happens with that probably the person who was posting on instagram and suddenly posted a whole load of rock uh radlands game art did you uh. see yeah there was a, a person i saw their instagram that basically they were go- they suddenly posted a whole load of things saying this this is my game from 2015 look at my game called radlands of which it's about a nuclear war zone look at my Ooh. game so i think it was them Interesting. Okay. Well, then. Anyway, Jamie, our, our our final bit of Kickstarter nonsense new, uh, headlines this week. This news concerns Luke Crane, the current vice president of community at Kickstarter, previously the game's lead at Kickstarter. He launched a campaign on the Kickstarter platform for what he called the perfect RPG. Now, this was a supplement as part of its ongoing season Zine Quest 3 that had a bunch of different contributors writing individual RPGs. Now, on the campaign page itself, the list of contributors was in reverse alphabetical order, using their first names. Bells may be ringing slightly at that point. And at the bottom of the list was the name Adam Kerbel. The name Adam Kerbel is not unknown to this cast, as all the way back in episode 46, we reported that Kerbel, as the GM, inflicted an in-game sexual assault on one of the player characters without warning during a session of the Far Verona actual play. Kerbal consequently left all of his RPG commitments, including working on the Dune RPG from Modiphius. The response to Kerbal being involved was swift, with many contributors expressing their displeasure that they'd not been informed that Kerbal would be part of the project. Many pulled their support for the Kickstarter, and Luke Crane cancelled the project the day after the launch. Now, we've not had time to reach out to Kickstarter or Luke Crane for comment at this moment in time. Gentlemen, the question I put to you. Should Kickstarter employees be allowed to launch campaigns on their own platform? No. It seems like a massive, massive conflict of interest. I mean, I get that they're, they might be attracted to the job at Kickstarter because they're creative people and they want to do their own thing. But it just seems like a massive potential legal headache for Kickstarter that that's the case. I mean, I, I I believe other employees of Kickstarter have done this in the past and probably caused no controversy and it's just been a fine. But there's always a potential for disaster, as in this case. And it, yeah, it just it does just seem like a 
completely massive potential conflict of interest and problem for Kickstarter, especially as the platform grows and it gets competitors like GameFound. Other opinions are available. <laughs> we we keep saying we keep saying that Kickstarter is growing. Oh, it's it's. I think you know. I don't know if it's growing. I think it's done. It's growing already. Yeah. Is it is it growing into something? You know, dare I say it, slightly bloated. Is is it having having you know what you know the monopoly effect? Now that's not a reference to the Parker Brothers board game, uh, originally designed by Elizabeth McGee. No, what I'm referring to is the having that sole monopoly on crowdfunding or the main crowdfunding because indiegogo does exist i know there are other ones that uh, a, a lot of a lot of situations were allowed to run unchecked with now in needing the growth of things like GameFound in order to make it uh step up shape up change its ideals we know that board games are a massive piece of the pie for kickstarter so if a lot of those projects move to a different platform that is troubling for kickstarter what do you think ian yeah i think Literally every penny that GameFound raises is money that is that Kickstarter can look at and say we lost that. Yeah, pretty much. And Certainly at the moment, yeah, because it's quite a new platform. Yeah, if opinion changes on Kickstarter, which projects like this by Luke Crane could well do, and people see GameFound with better moderation tools and just better tools just more professional abilities yeah well we'll come back to that possibility a little later on for now let's get on with the news So yes, our first piece of news this week is thankfully not a Kickstarter. Uh, a user on BoardGameGeek who is the designer of game Big Dig posted excerpts of emails between them and the publisher of that game, Tasty Mitchell Games, over royalty payments. These emails detailed exchanges between the designer Sean and Tasty Mitchell Games as to the non-payment of royalties. On top of this, Kickstarter projects from Tasty Mitchell Games like Luna are very well over delivery. Their estimated delivery for Luna, for instance, was September 2019, and it has still not been fulfilled. But we'll come back to that shortly. Many thanks to Jay from 3-Minute Board Games and Gavin Jones from our Discord for bringing this story to our attention. We've heard from people close to the situation uh, in Tasty Mitchell Games, and we've reached out to the designer of Big Dig. And last we heard, payment is headed their way. He posted to the thread that he started on BoardGameGeek. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to close out this thread by letting everyone know that this issue has now been resolved with TMG, Tasty Mitchell Games, in a friendly and agreeable way. We're thankful for all the supporting and understanding responses from the community. It was insightful and interesting to follow all of your responses and discussions. We're glad to close the book on this issue and are now looking forward to happy gaming and designing in 2021. All the best, Sean. We've also heard from sources close to the situation that say most of the current issues are on their way to being resolved. Yokohama Jewel and Dragon's Interest, both Kickstarters from Tasty Minstrel, are currently delivering in North America. Belfort and Luna are slated to deliver by the end of the month for the rest of the world backers that are still waiting. And Yokohama Jewel and Dragon's Interest are in progress for the rest of the world. We really honestly do hope that TMG can get themselves out of the hole they seem to be in and continues their voice in the hobby. I've played some of their games. They've been very good. But yeah, a non-payment of royalties is kind of a big red flag and uh, look originally the story looked like we'd be reporting on the bankruptcy of a company it, lo it looked very bad when we first picked the story up but things do seem to now be resolving in a positive way 
I guess this is just a reminder and every I don't know five or six casts we usually have this reminder that Kickstarter is not a store and when you back something on Kickstarter you may not end up getting it or it may get, end up getting delayed or the company may end up disappearing into the into the ether do be very careful when you're using Kickstarter or any crowdfunding platform because there are no guarantees of buying these things big old gamble yes yes it is Mr. Shantler our good friend Zach Smith is back Oh, so he is, unregrettably. Documents have emerged showing that Zack Smith is suing Gen Con. Back in 2019, Zack S., as he is more usually known by the community, was accused of sexual assault by his former partner, Mandy Morbid. We originally reported on these accusations back in Podcast 23. As a consequence of these accusations, Gen Con at the time banned Zack S. from the convention. Zach S. is now suing, claiming that Gen Con's actions were knowingly over false information and damaged his reputation and his income. He is seeking damages that will be determined by the trial alongside his legal fees. This is a fairly recent development, and it is unlikely we could elicit comment from either side due to it being a legal nature, even if we did have time to reach out. We will bring you more as the situation develops. Jamie, I should have put this at the top because then we could have had four Kickstarter stories on the trot, but yeah, yet more controversy on Kickstarter. The latest instalment in the Tiny Epic series of games, Tiny Epic Dungeons, launched its campaign on Kickstarter recently and is raking in the cash as one might expect from the latest game in the highly vaunted series. However, it quickly came under fire from many people in the hobby, including the award-winning designer Elizabeth Hargreaves, designer of the Phenomenon, and I I'm not understating it. That is Wingspan. Now we'd like to read from her post on BoardGameGeek, which we will link to in full. In relation to the box cover, she says, We've got four main characters on the box that draw my eye to the right of the title. Two are men and two are women. It's 2021, and there's, almost, equal representation. There are some other, less prominent male characters also on the box. Progress. Except the representation is not all equal. The two men are in power poses. The two women. The mage on top is in a classic TNA comics pose. I've censored that myself. Uh, men are never ever posed like this because no real life person ever stands like this for any practical purpose. It is a pose that was created to offer up a woman's body for the male gaze. Meanwhile, the rogue on the bottom looks like a great character with a really cool mask. But because of the lighting, her entire head and mask fade into the background. Where does the light fall? Only on her cleavage. This is a very deliberate choice by the artist that says, The unique nature of this character is unimportant. Look at her chest instead. For a kicker, there's a dude hiding in the corner of the box, looking right where the light is telling him to look. Now her comments were reasonable, pointing out a recurring problem in the portrayal of women in board games. Predominantly in the fantasy genre, although that is by no means exclusive. There was, of course, a backlash that ignored that Gamelin Games accepted the criticism and are taking steps to rectify their mistake. Now, the Giant Brain team wholeheartedly support Elizabeth's comments and are baffled by people who still think this sort of portrayal of women is still acceptable. I mean, I want to add my little bit. I'm not, I'm not baffled. I just think it's just... Sort yourselves out. Sad? No, not sad. I'm just... I'm, I'm just grumpy with it. 
What gives you the right to, oh, white male privilege? Uh... Yeah, it's it's just, it is quite extraordinary. And it was very, very obvious that it's just like, that part of part of the article, that uh, part of that post that Elizabeth has, we missed out sl- a slight bit, which includes an image of a Marvel Avengers poster with gender swapped uh, poses, which is hilarious. And definitely, well, obviously we'll link to it because you can have a look at it. It's absolutely hilarious of the guys all standing TNA poses and just it it looks stupid because it's stupid because nobody stands like that if anyone does not know what the words TNA uh, the acronym TNA stands for uh, the T is best represented by a group of birds common to Britain and the A is a uh, type of donkey horse hybrid <laughs> thanks Jamie steering around those words with a uh, aplomb there an animal of the horse family there you go yeah, we we, are a as Jamie show. says the giant brain team absolutely supports Elizabeth and everything she said, and we're going to try and do. I'll, I'll be trying to do more of that because I run most of the social media for the giant brain. I'll be trying to highlight those things and support people a little bit more on Twitter and Facebook and that kind of thing, and actually call out this stuff because we need to be a little bit more proactive in in saying that this stuff is wrong. But the other thing that came out of this was the fact that Kickstarter basically, as we alluded to earlier, is that Kickstarter does not have moderation for the comment sections. Which means you can pledge a dollar to a thing and then spew bile into their comment section with no moderation powers at all and then cancel your pledge later. That has got to change. Notably in this case, the Tiny Epic Dungeons Kickstarter has become a lightning rod for culture warriors looking to harass Mm. and spew their nonsense over the internet. Scream practically, you know, holler the words, cancel culture! Do you think I'm being unfair with me not giving you? That's because I'm not. It's... <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to calm down. I, like, I'm, I'm, not do- I'm not doing a bit here. I am actually <laughs> quite angry. Well, I put a post recently on the website talking about cancel culture and what it means and where it came from and why it's become part of the conversation in the tabletop industry recently. It's just... Gaming is changing. Board gaming is changing. Tabletop gaming is changing. Computer gaming is changing. And those changes might be painful a little bit for those who have been here a long time and think they somehow own gaming in some way or form. But in the end, it's going to be a good thing because there'll be more gamers and more games made. There'll be more of your hobby. What's not to like about that? If more people come into it, more stuff will get made for a wider audience. That will continue to bring more people in. Wash, rinse, and repeat gaming will explode and become a massive thing. That's great for everyone. It's great for publishers, it's great for players, it's great for the community. It's great for humanity. I just don't get why you'd be... I, yeah, it's great for you. I don't why know why you'd be resistant to that. It just baffles me. I think it's also really important to tell these people that women and minorities have been in this hobby the entire time. Yeah. The only reason these people are pretending that women and minorities don't exist in this hobby is because they want a whitewashed little thing yeah and i'm not interested in entertaining that i remember reading about like the early days of like star trek fandom was basically all women doing star trek fanzines and things like that it all came from women doing that kind of thing yep guess what diversity is good folks <laughs> and if you yeah, don't is... and if you don't think that the door to the giant brain hq is that way please feel free to avail yourself of it goodbye <laughs> we don't want you listening to this cast it's that yep. simple 
Talking about the gaming community growing and games companies growing, Wizards of the Coast have recently had a bit of a rebrand and a promotion. Wizards of the Coast, as you may know, are a subsidiary of Hasbro, but it is stepping up in the world and it's going to be becoming its own operating division within that company. This is part of a general restructuring shakeup of Hasbro that will see three divisions form. Wizards and Digital, Consumer Products, which will be toys and classic board games. So your monopolies, Jamie. I would think, and an entertainment division specifically about TV and films. The new division for Wizards and Digital will be tasked with expanding Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. And Wizards of the Coast has also undergone a major rebranding, which you can see live on their site now. From the investor call, we got a few salient details. In 2020, Wizards of the Coast revenue was $816 million. Magic the Gathering was up 23% and Dungeons and Dragons was up a whopping 33%. They announced a Magic crossover products that will bring the worlds of Warhammer 40k from Games Workshop and the Lord of the Rings universe to the iconic card game. Literally going to print money. How, how much will Sauron cost when you play him? Five black? Yeah, but then everyone wants to play a green deck being led by Gazkul Mag Uruk Thraka. The greatest orc war boss to ever lived. But also beside Legolas. <laughs> Typically green creatures. Yep. Yeah. Elves are always it. in green, right? Depends on what time of year, I suppose. They also announced a slew of digital products coming out, including the Magic Gathering Arena, which is their online version of Magic Gathering, is going to be coming to mobile. So goodbye all those spare hours you might have. And they have several computer games in development with a variety of companies. And one for my niece, Eleonora, who may or may not be listening with her dad. There's going to be a Peppa Pig theme park in Legoland, Florida in 2022 as well. In addition to all these announcements, in the last week, Wizards have also announced Spell Table, a platform in early alpha release that will help stores and players stream real-life games of Magic Gathering all over the world. The software includes some neat features, including automatic card recognition. We don't know much more about it at the moment. It's only really just been announced. So yeah, Wizards are doing gangbusters. Absolutely huge amounts of money. They're becoming their own division within Hasbro, and that is only going to lead to more growth, presumably. They're, well... Will they break the billion dollar mark next year for money? Could be this year. It's looking that way. Awesome. Could be this year. Well, this year, sorry. Yes. It depends how many friendly local gaming stores that survive on Magic still exist. Yeah. I mean, that 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 is a big question as to when we'll... I mean, for them still to be up 23% in 2020 is still fairly significant considering it's that bananas. their usual yeah. outlets didn't exist. I mean, D&D I can understand because... Yeah, a lot of that is online now. People are using Rule20 to play D&D. But yeah, for Magic to still be up 23%, most of that money's got to be through Arena, right? Surely. I would assume so. That, that's got to be a big contributor to that. I mean, I, there, was a, there was a sort of breakdown in the investor call, but I didn't see like precise numbers within those. So I would imagine that Arena's a lot of that. Yeah, so big rebound, big step up for, for Wizards of the Coast. And yeah, we're going to see more from them in the next year. So a lot more, I would think. Bigger, more growth means more stuff to, to look at and potentially, you know, more stuff that's going to come back on this cast. Yeah. <laughs> we can't escape them. I just love that they've split the three divisions. So you've got, it's like people working in entertainment division, people working in the consumer product division. And it's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I work in Wizards. 
the wizard's division. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, turn up in a big robe and, like, yeah. cast spells. Who, who are those guys <laughs> over there in the cloaks? We don't talk about them. They're the wizard's division. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, talking about people who are wizard, we'd like to very much thank all our patrons for continuing to support the cast, especially our executive producers, the Lucky Sparrow Gaming Cafe, and Sean Newman from the Gamelock team. And if you would like to support us, you can just check out the support us part of our page. There's loads of ways to support the cast there. You can join our Patreon, where you'll get an extended version of the cast. And by the looks of the runtime, this one's going to be fairly extended. And you can also, there's ways to give us the money directly through PayPal. We've got affiliate links on the site. All those, all those little things really, really help us out. And we're very, very grateful to anyone who throws us a dollar here and there. And of course, you can come and join us on our Discord as well. You can come and chat to us, the team, and all our lovely Discord members anytime you want on the Discord. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Anyway, let's get out of here, chaps. But before we do, Jamie, computer games are invading the board game space. I mean, invading seems a harsh word, but it just seems there is a... They're coming right for us, Jamie. There's, I mean, no, we've had this for a long time. There's always been video game uh, crossovers to, to board game adaptations. And of course, there's the other way. Of course, it'd be, you know, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say it the other way. But uh, we've noticed a, a quite a notable jump recently. Uh, starting, actually, with... I believe we covered it uh, a while ago, which was the announcement of the Metal Gear Solid board game from IDW. But unfortunately, in December... 2020 the designer emerson matsuchi announced that sadly that project was coming to an end so no metal gear solid board game for for us but it's hiding in a box which of my boxes (laughs) is it hiding in anyway i'll deal with that later but we have so many i don't have any monopoly news i'm sorry but we have got board games so we have we have stardew valley the indie answer to Farming Sim Harvest Moon. Yep, farming as a board game. It's going to be popular because it's Stardew Valley. Uh, also, farming, farming as a board game is a, is a theme that has been visited many, 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 <laughs> what are you talking many, about? many times. What are you talking about, Ian? I've never heard of it before. Definitely not. We have uh, a very lucrative uh, announcement coming to GameFound, one of the biggest-selling video games of all time, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. That's right, it needed that entrance. Uh, just recently we had the announcement of Stellaris, a 4X space empire up Again, space exploration. That's never been done in board games before, but it's got Stellaris on it, so it's <laughs> going to sell great. And Prison Architect. If you want to design a prison, you go right ahead. You can do it on a, on a video game, but you could do it when it comes to uh, Kickstarter later this year, and you could create your own board game prison. Uh, not a board game prison. A prison as a board game. Anyway. And I've also been uh, a mentor in a tabletop mentorship program, and I've been mentoring Adam from uh, Punchboard Reviews, and he has recently got an interview with Mark Cook from the Plastic Soldier Company over the, uh, the Prison Architect title. We'll link to that in the show notes, so you can go and give that a read. It's a really good interview. Fantastic, and I think I am probably going to need to go and lie down because I am very tired. 
Me too, mate. Me too. So anyway, everyone, thank you very much for listening to the cast. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way as ever to help us out is to share the podcast and drop us a review and rating on iTunes. You can also follow us on all the usual social medias, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, website uh, is giantbrain.co.uk. Our email, if you want to send us any notes or you know love letters or anything of that ilk, is giantbrainuk at gmail.com. And do please come and join us on our Discord where we'll be having another Games Night the day after this cast goes out on Tuesday the 9th of March. And we have that every fortnight. All games welcome, all gamers welcome, all experiences levels. We don't really care. Come and play some games or just chat with us. We'd love to see you there. Anyway, folks, thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye. Also, tune in next time, episode 69, for an entire episode about Netrunner. Nice. Netrunner. I haven't approved this. Because Netrunner System Gateway and System Update are coming out on the 28th of March. And it's all I'm going to talk about for the rest of 2021. I'll, I'll be teaching Ian how to really play Netrunner. <laughs> Geist is rotating. Geist is rotating in about three weeks. So you have three weeks to enjoy your Geist deck, Ian. Yeah. That's okay, I'll build something better. Still kick your ass. And I'll I'll sit here with a smile on my face going, I have no idea what's going on.